Hello and welcome. I'm Nagma. Uh, today, in the first episode of the Idea Factory, we're going to talk about Russia, the political situation in Russia, as well as Russia's relation with the outside world, particularly India. It's been a heavy summer for Russia's embattled political uh, opposition. In this August itself, about 50,000 people rallied on the streets of Moscow, where they were calling for fair municipal elections, which is going to happen soon without any prominent opposition because most of the opposition leaders are already in jail. They've been jailed over previous protests. Now, this protest which happened in August was probably one of the biggest protests that Russia saw since 2012. And now the leaders are hoping to build on the momentum of Moscow's as they, it is being called the summer of discontent. In a country where protests are very restricted, where it's not allowed to incite any kind of protest amongst the teenagers and it may soon become illegal, Russia has seen many protests this year, especially during the summer, over a wide range of subject. It has protested garbage, it is protesting to call for fair elections, it has protested to save a park, it has protested the arrest of investigative journalists. So there are varied kind of protests and in this episode of the Ideas Factory, I have with me Nevedita Kapoor who um, is watching Russia and keeps a keen eye on things that are happening in and around Russia to decode the Russian protests while also looking at the possibilities of an improved and more dynamic Indo-Russian relationship. But Nevedita, I would like to begin with the discontent that we see in Russia. So what does this summer of discontent really mean for Russia? The protest that we are seeing in this country uh, has been a lot on socio-economic issues from yes. what I gather. Yes. I read, I went through your paper that mm -hmm. you've written. Um, it hasn't been a political in nature. Yes. But gradually, the latest one that mm -hmm. we saw is turning political. Yes. It started with calling for a fair mm -hmm. election, but uh, you know the leaders, the opposition party, yes. whoever is around, is mm -hmm. trying to build on this yes. and make it into a political one. Mm -hmm. What would this mean for the political class in uh, Russia? Do you think the political leadership will be already in jitters because any kind of discontent mm -hmm. has been dealt with strongly? Mm. Uh, you're indeed correct that uh, the Russian regime has been more willing to allow socio-economic protests to take place. They are put down with much less repression as compared to political protests. Even the uh, month of August, you have narrated how various protests have taken place mm. related to the Moscow City Duma elections. Mm. But those protests, a very heavy-handed police uh, presence has been seen. They have put down protests very strongly. They were arrested common yes. people as well. 2, yes, it, around 2,000 common people have been arrested. About 16 uh, people have been charged with mass unrest which carries a long prison sentence. Mm -hmm. So it so it is very uneasy about these protests yeah. but at the same time we need to keep in mind that this is a Moscow City Duma election. It is not the main parliamentary election. Also not just that these protests are confined to Moscow. Hmm. We have also seen some support in other regions. Hmm. But the main issue is how would the opposition take these protests forward? Because on September 8th, the elections will take place. Hmm. And after that, would the opposition still have enough momentum to keep on carrying these protests forward? And hmm. what agenda does it have then? Hmm. And we also need to keep in mind that the the, this opposition, the ones that are protesting, they're the non-systemic opposition. They're not the opposition parties like the Communist Party or the Liberal Democratic Party. They, they will be contesting elections. They have already registered their candidates. They will be participating in that political protest. Yeah. But the non-systemic opposition, 
how will it take this uh, these protests forward that is the major question so for them now so do you think these protests are uh, are happening are are possible now because there is a lot of discontent mm -hmm. uh, as far as the economic yeah. issues are concerned mm -hmm. as far as the economic prosperity is yes. uh, concerned because in your paper you also mm -hmm. mentioned there seemed to be a tacit understanding when putin mm -hmm. came to power that you yes. do not interfere in the politics mm -hmm. while i deliver on the economic front yes. and uh, russia becomes prosperous mm -hmm. but that doesn't seem to be happening now mm -hmm. and the whole rhetoric of nationalism also yeah. seems to be failing yes you're absolutely right and that is the main concern for the kremlin right now because uh, the uh, alexey kudrin who is a prominent economist and he heads the audit chamber uh, last month he warned that there would be mass unrest if the government cannot increase the real incomes of the people hmm. on august 26th on monday president putin himself met the top economic officials of the country and he said that the growth levels right now are not acceptable and and they the officials need to take measures to increase the real incomes of the people hmm. so the government knows that if it cannot deliver on the economic promises then it will be in deep trouble mm -hmm. but um, there there's a a figure that 74% protests were focused on socio economic yes. issue while only 16.4% on political issues yes. so if everything is okay on the socio economic front mm -hmm. putin can still hope that people will not interfere in the politics because not many people are willing even mm -hmm. now to yes. protest for polit political reasons and there is mm -hmm. hardly any political opposition most of them have been jailed yes and uh, the main issue is that the willingness of the people to protest if you look at Uh, the polls the public opinion polls more people are willing to come out to protest on socio economic issues on the political front the willingness is still a little less mm -hmm. so the people are more concerned about their private lives more and also the russians are not willing uh, to have a revolution they have seen the chaos of the 90s they want a, a smooth change to to happen so they are a little wary of any political protests leading to a revolution yeah. so as long as the government takes care of their economic needs they would still be willing to uh, endure a system that is not the freest uh, some of the political analysts there in mm. russia have written uh, to quote one dmitry traven a prominent mm. russian political analyst says that uh, the whole western narrative was that there is no one but putin mm. but uh, the post putin russia is being born today and if you want to see it we will mm -hmm. so do you think that kind of political change is simmering in russia right now uh, as of now uh, maybe at the, the at the national level it's very difficult to uh, gauge this because mm. putin's popularity is still over 60%, 60%. Hmm. so the question of who succeeds vladimir putin is still not clear hmm. and not to mention the fact that the opposition leaders like alexei navalny uh, in the he stood for moscow mayor's election a couple of years ago he did not win that uh, election and his popularity though quite large is still not enough for a national mobilization yes. so who will be the opposition figure That's who will stand question. against who will be the opposition yes. figure and who has emerged as a national leader there is no exactly. one right now yeah. and um, is it also true that a lot of protests have been organized in a way to shore up the popularity of president putin mm -hmm. so that he can interfere if it's a social mm -hmm. economic issue yes. so he can step in he can yes. solve the problem and then he becomes as this big benevolent leader mm -hmm. who sorts out people yes that is a very popular method that the kremlin uses so for example uh, when the citizens of ekaterinburg were protesting uh, against a cathedral that was to be erected in a public park it was president putin who mm -hmm. ultimately said that the opinion of the people should be taken into account hmm. 
So this was him siding with the regional population hmm. who also formed the bulk of his supporters. Yeah. At the same time, uh, the president also uh, reshuffles the governors quite regularly. So if there's a governor against whom there are several corruption charges or who's not very popular, that the president would change that governor to show to the people that yes, I look, I lis I'm listening to you, I see that this person is not doing well, so I am going to replace him with someone who is better. So it's, it's a also a way of establishing communication with the people and also reassuring people that the president is this king-like figure who is listening to the people and is willing to work for their welfare. With all this political upheaval in a way, I mean not at the national level, but there is uh, something is going on mm. in Russia okay. and the protests have been one of very prominent features that we've seen in Russia mm. in the recent past. Uh, having said that, uh, you know, the changes that are happening, will mm. that also affect the Russian relationship with the outside world, especially with India? India and Russia have had a very long uh, mm -hmm. historical defense ties and yes. emotional ties mm -hmm. uh, but there has uh, it hasn't been a very dynamic relationship lately mm -hmm. India has also become more close to the US or yes. uh, the associations have been different countries mm -hmm. even with France but right now we did see visits by uh, the Russians and there has been talk of deepening of economic ties and priority sectors to meet the bilateral trade target of 30 billion dollar mm -hmm. So how do you see all of that? Um, the, do you see a more dynamic India-Russia relationship while Russia is dealing mm -hmm. with its domestic issues? Uh, the first thing to note is that both the sides have uh, in 2018 admitted that the relationship, that all is not well with the relationship. They need to shore up the ties. And I, I say this because the Sochi informal summit happened. The other informal summit was with the Chinese president and we knew that the relationship with China after Doklam was very dicey and we really needed to work on that relationship. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the Indo-Russia relationship, it, it is supposed to be a special and privileged strategic partnership. Mm -hmm. So why did we need an informal summit just four months before the bilateral annual summit? Mm -hmm. so this was an indication from both sides that they realized the need that this relationship is not going where we want it to go and they wanted to improve the relationship. So after Sochi, both the leaders suggested to the officials that we need more economic ties. As a result, in October 2018, when the annual summit happened, we saw several bilateral documents signed related to the economic field. Yeah. And we are hoping that these will slowly translate into concrete projects on the ground because that has been the problem. Because every joint statement identifies a variety of uh, hmm. sectors for hmm. economic cooperation, but nothing gets implemented on the ground. But now there's hope that because of clear direction from the top, that is going to change. Hmm. And another sign of that is the Prime Minister is going to the Eastern Economic Forum, yes. which Russia uses to, uh, which Russia promotes as a forum where it can attract investment from the Asia Pacific. And this is the first time that India will be represented at the highest level. Hmm. So all of these indicators have given hope that the, both the sides are focusing on the economic relationship because that is the weakest link in the bilateral ties right now. Okay. Uh, uh, because historically we've had defense ties with Russia, yes. but just the defense ties not going to be enough. That's yes. very clear now. You mentioned that uh, Prime Minister Modi is going to be there in the Eastern Economic Forum mm -hmm. as uh, the chief guest. Um, now, why do you think that India-Russia tie has become more crucial, mm -hmm. both for India and Russia mm -hmm. today? I mean, yes. also when we look at India, and when mm. we look at the changes that are happening in South Asia, do you think mm. that's the reason I'm talking of Afghanistan yes. or because of Afghanistan and the Taliban mm. talk, the way uh, 
America is again becoming soft towards Pakistan mm-hmm. because it needs Pakistan yes. um, still as much as it mm-hmm. needed Pakistan earlier. So do you think that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why the India-Russia tie-up has become more important? Uh, you're definitely right about Afghanistan because India does want its presence in Afghanistan. And unfortunately for it, both Russia and the United States, they've been following, they've been having their own talks hmm. and both have been talking to the Taliban and both of them consider Pakistan an important part of the equation as far as Afghanistan is concerned. And it is not con- most conducive to India's interests. Hmm. But the only thing that we can hope to do is keep on talking to our partners in Russia and in hmm. the United States to make sure that our interests are secure because our soft presence alone is is not going to be enough. We need strong partners in Afghanistan if we are to contain the, the, the threat of te- terrorism as well as how Pakistan behaves in, the, in that country. Hmm. And also it's not just about Afghanistan, Indo-Russia relationship is also important when we uh, see the Asia-Pacific region, what we are now calling the Indo-Pacific because Russia has been growing increasingly closer to China and as a st- um, given the fact and that... And what are the reasons that have been yeah. there uh, for this proximity between Russia mm. and China? Because historically there were yeah. close ties, emotional mm. ties between mm. India and Russia. But yes. of course India also had to diversify in mm. terms of its defense purchases and yes. all that which did not go very well with Russia. Mm. Uh, and China and Russia came together on many yes. issues. Yes, so the Russia-China relationship has been improving uh, for a way since the early 90s. But, the, but they've come remarkably close since 2014 when Russia's ties with the West broke down. It immediately turned towards China because Russia realized that it needed a strong partner in this world and China was that partner. Whether it's, they both have political convergences in terms of uh, resistance to US hegemony, in terms of a multipolar world. The economic ties have grown, grown very, very close. The energy ties because Russia primarily supplies arms and energy to the world yeah. and China, uh, it supplies a huge amount of energy to China, both oil and gas. Mm-hmm. And we also have to understand that India at this point, mm-hmm. it has its own economic considerations, it has its own foreign policy goals. Mm-hmm. So we cannot provide those kind of public goods to Russia that China can at mm-hmm. this moment. So that has contributed to Russia moving to, uh, towards China after 2014. And that relationship has grown, grown uh, closer. Mm-hmm. Now, now we are seeing joint air patrols. We, uh, we saw that in July. And that was the first time over East China Sea. So mm. it's a sign of growing convergence on political front, on military front, on economic front. And that might not be most conducive to India. Mm. So we need to keep our channel with Russia open to make sure that, it, that Russia also has an option. It knows that it can have a very good relationship with India. So yeah. that does not go completely over to China. Yeah. Yes. So you're saying India would benefit from closer cooperation with mm-hmm. Russia and Indo-Pacific especially. Yes. And um, when we look at, uh, you know, it, I just spoke of Afghanistan, then yes. of course Kashmir comes in. Yes. And when we look of Kashmir right now, uh, Russia is a permanent member of mm-hmm. the UNSC and it has supported India on various issues which includes Kashmir. Yes. While America plays a, uh, right now especially America has mm-hmm. been a little more intrusive as, uh, mm-hmm. as far as Kashmir is concerned. Yes. And, of the offers of mediation or Trump's statements, mm-hmm. all these issues are also there yes. right now. And it has moved closer to Pakistan in that mm-hmm. context as mm-hmm. well. Uh, it's important for India to mm-hmm. get closer to Russia or to, uh, to form a strategic alliance with Russia mm-hmm. while maintaining its relationship mm-hmm. with America or mm-hmm. with other European nations. Yes, that's definitely correct. Uh, when we looked at the UNSC uh, meeting on Kashmir, mm-hmm. 
Um, just before that, uh, on 14th of August, the Foreign Minister of Russia, Sergei Lavrov, had a conversation with the Pakistani Foreign Minister and yeah. he made it very clear that this is a bilateral issue and there is no other way for you to resolve this issue mm. other than through bilateral consultations, which mm. is in line with Indian policy. Mm. So, despite the fact that uh, Russia has tried to improve its relationship with Pakistan, it has also tried to make sure that it balances the relationship with India. And even though New Delhi has not been very happy at Russia selling uh, some helicopters to Pakistan, building a gas pipeline, but we also need to understand that Russia cannot compromise on its national interests. So, both the parties have to do the same thing. We have to look at our national goals. Make but are the national goals now getting, sorry interrupting you, no, but right. uh, on the national goals, yes. are they getting more and more divergent? That is the main concern, that because of the foreign policy issues, our bilateral relationship might be very good, but the way we are looking at our position in the world, the way India is uh, looking towards the United States with an eye on how it will position itself in the world and how Russia looks at China in order to position itself in the world, they are going in very different directions and that is an external constraint on the bilateral relationship that is going to be very difficult to address because it is not just bilaterally that mm. we can address this. Mm. There are international factors that might not always be in our control. Yeah, so that's uh, one of the main problems and uh, also because um, India and the US were termed as natural allies and it was termed as a defining partnership of 21st century yeah. but when the moment the Doha talks started we saw mm -hmm. that those assumptions were yes. actually not true. Yes. Um, so looking at all that uh, again the, the fear that the uh, US is not going to just be there mm -hmm. you have to look after your own interests yes. and that I think is a big concern mm -hmm. for India right now and when Prime Minister Modi visits Russia yes. and he's going to have a conversation with mm -hmm. Mr. Putin, these mm -hmm. concerns would also be big. Yes, definitely. Um, other than just the bilateral or the economic ties. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, also because uh, these issues have become all the more important because of Katsa, issues like Katsa, because these are US unilateral sanctions mm -hmm. that are now affecting the Indo-Russia defense relationship. Mm -hmm. We have said that we will purchase S-400, mm -hmm. but the threat of the US sanctions and how India and Russia are going to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So it's a concern, otherwise our bilateral defense ties should ideally not mm -hmm. be impacted by an external power. Yeah. But this is happening and we need to be able to deal with these issues and uh, it, it remains on the leadership as to how they will deal with these issues. Yeah. And when uh, Putin has proposed an, a very extensive Eurasian partnership, mm -hmm. um, it should be used by India to strengthen its position. Do you think yes. there are possibilities that India mm -hmm. can use this forum yes. for the Eurasian partnership to strengthen its mm -hmm. position there? Yes, so there's a number of steps that the government is considering in order to strengthen the Eurasian partnership. There's a free trade agreement that we have started negotiating between the Eurasian Economic Union and India. So that is another way that we are cooperating through uh, our engagements in the SCO. That's another way where we are looking at the Eurasian region. Uh, we are also trying to fast track the INSTC, I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but these are some steps that the, both the governments are taking to make sure that they, especially in Eurasia, that they can come together and strengthen both the economic relationship as well as uh, counter the presence of other powers in the region. So, Nevedita, to conclude this, can we say uh, that Russia is also going through a very uh, a, a volatile phase right now, yes. politically, yes. Uh, if not nationally, but mm -hmm. there are simmerings and at the same time uh, we can look at a more dynamic Indo-Russia relationship in the coming years? 
that would definitely be the hope for the dynamic <laughs> Indo-Russia economic, uh, especially the economic relationship. Yeah. And yeah. we are hoping that the 2019 summit would be a precursor to furthering of the bilateral ties. Mm. And as far as the political uh, upheaval in Russia is concerned, I think uh, time will tell time where will it tell. goes. Or at least those little uh, shocks have yeah. started. They definitely have. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much for decoding these Russian protests for us. Thanks a lot. Thank you.